This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast at HarvardProxism.com. I am Jason Mann and with me as usual, Rich Krejci. Rich, great to be back with you. Absolutely. Excited. We are, I'm glad you're excited, Rich. Yeah, I'm always, always. I'm always happy when you're excited. <laughs> this is a good one. This is gonna be a fun little episode. I, I think it will be a good episode. I, I, I'm waiting for the time in which you you begin the show by saying you don't think it's gonna be a good episode because I, I, that's true. There there might be some. All right. Well, I'm maybe. Well, I mean, maybe that that's my stock answer. So that when people hear me not say that, they're like, oh, <laughs> they know. If you don't say anything, <laughs> if I'm just silent, they're like, oh no, all right. <laughs> this Uh-oh. one's gonna be terrible. So. All right. Well, fair enough. So we'll see. So we are are going to talk about the wonderful ESPN uh, NBA rank uh, top um, 100 players of all time that was um, done over recent weeks. We meant to get this last week and uh, things uh, d- delayed it. Unfortunately, our timing is not the best given that it is uh, about uh, oh, about uh, eight hours until the uh, trade deadline or so, give or, give or take a few. I, I, guess, I guess more than that. But it, it, regardless, by the time people hear this, it's going to be trade uh, deadline. Nothing will happen. So. Uh, overrated. We'll, 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 we'll get this one in early so you can listen. It'll be early in the first. morning. Yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll, let you, it'll let you cool off a little bit before the, the hot trade deadline action starts. Exactly. So. Or, you know, save it to later. It's it's going to be pretty much as relevant uh, <laughs> in a year from now as it is. Uh, the benefit of our show. Yeah, yeah, that is the nice thing. We're very evergreen. So, Yeah, we just linked a uh, – because last year we did a trade deadline, a really good podcast with uh, uh, the guy who runs the NBA Trades uh, Tumblr, yeah, and, yeah, and, uh, and it was and, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, duh, I was blanking on his name, but it, like that's an episode that I went back and listened to about half of it today, and I was like, you know what? We don't really ever say anything that like like you wouldn't know if we just said, hey, here's a brand new episode on like NBA trade deadline thing. So I think we should from now on just never ever reference anything that's currently going on. Okay. And then we really only have to record like ten shows a year and just like keep putting them out. And, <laughs> All right. Well, people, it might not be. They might not even notice. I'll be like, oh, sweet. Like, well, we'll keep that Scotty Pippen retrospective. I can't wait. Yeah. Like, we'll keep that in mind for uh, you know, for, for a business philosophy. So exactly. Right. Right. All right. So um, we're just gonna we're gonna go through uh, the first uh, the the first few slots. Obviously, we're not gonna go through all. 
100 because that would be very boring. So uh, <laughs> we don't want to do that. But we're going to do, do mini retrospectives of every single man in this list. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're just we're going to go through Sean Kemp. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we ob- do it your way. we obviously did our uh, top 50 um, project over the over the off season. That was mm. our, you know, looking back at our choices for the top 50 players of all time compared to the NBA uh, 50 greatest players of all time that was done about 20 years ago. So um, we're we're obviously going to kind of talk about that, talk about their findings versus our findings, uh, talk about, you know, some kind of the biggest ranking issues we had. And then we'll talk about some of the new players that they considered more recent players than we even we considered, whether they really merit such consideration, you know, um, sort of some ideas about that. Um, I don't know. Anything else, Rich, we're going to talk about? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think a lot of it is going to be us sort of breaking down the list a little bit. And and like you said, sort of comparing and contrasting it to our top 50 list is going to be the biggest thing versus us going on here and being like, oh, my God, like Moses Malone at 15. That sucks. Like, you know, yeah. that you don't need that. And I'm sure there's been like 7000 podcasts that have already done that. And because and, yeah. uh, people get do not react at all to NBA rank they didn't care one bit <laughs> it, it elicited no social media reaction yeah. I, I didn't even know what was going on yeah. to be honest no but like obviously people are very passionate about like where people ranked or whatever sure. and i don't know if we're going to worry about that as much as we're going to worry about uh, a few guys that like we had on our list that they didn't or a few guys that we had very high on our list that they either had like well out of the top 50 or well and then i think the biggest thing that at least i know i wanted to talk about is a lot of the current players because they were very aggressive about some guys Whereas, you know, we we still had some current guys, but a lot of the guys we had sort of come to the conclusion that, hey, if they retired tomorrow, they would definitely be on this list. Whereas the ESPN one, it, you can make some arguments that maybe they're projecting some stuff onto guys. Maybe they're thinking, hey, you know, with this guy's trajectory, he will be there or whatever. So it's it's just it, it'll be interesting to talk about sort of the philosophies of how they got to this list and, and, and stuff like that as well. So yeah. not necessarily like us just breaking down their list and telling them how terrible they are for ranking, no. you know, this guy in 75th as opposed to 80th because nobody wants to listen to that. But more kind of a compare and contrast because we did this project essentially over the summer so it's it's sort of it's still fresh in our mind sure um of doing it and and knowing how difficult it is as well for a lot of people that are like oh this is terrible like you know and, and i think most people took it pretty okay other than just having a little bit of you know gripes with where certain guys ranked but it is not easy like like we spent so long on that top 50 list to try to get what we thought was was a was a representative top 50 and they went 100 so i i can't even imagine uh yeah. and, what, and, the work that and, was and we that. didn't rank them and they ranked them so exactly that, yeah no i could never rank them. them and i mentioned that today too like i have such phobia about like like for me the the top 10 would probably change on like a daily basis for me you know what i mean like it, it's just me ranking is so so hard whereas it's much easier to say hey here's 100 guys that are really good versus like here are the top 100 in this order i mean that that's where i i just can't do that so i envy them yes. in a way but Indeed. well we'll go through the first few because i think there are some interesting things to kind of call from the um from from the the first few um number one michael jordan no big surprise number two kareem abdul jabbar uh, number three, LeBron James, maybe higher than some people might have expected. Um, number four, Magic Johnson. Number five, Wilt Chamberlain. Number six, Larry Bird. Number seven, Bill Russell. Number eight, Tim Duncan. Number nine, Shaquille O'Neal. Number 10, Akeem Olajuwon. Uh, I don't have any significant issue with anybody there. I, I would probably put Oscar Robertson in the top 10 instead of Akeem. Um, he's ranked 11, so it's hardly a, a, a major qualm, but that um, would probably be the only thing that I would... Um, throw out there and consider, you know, a, a major, um, a major difference that I would have. It's not even that major. 
I'm with you there. I, I think Hakeem is the one guy that sort of stands out to me. And, and that was actually surprising when we were doing our top 50 list of, of looking at Hakeem and sort of stripping out a lot of what we what we perceive about Hakeem and just kind of looking at the raw numbers, looking at some sort of stuff. And, that, and he was a guy who, while, I mean, obviously a, a fantastic all-time legendary great player, didn't seem like he was on equal level with maybe like, you know, the top 10, the, the elite of the elite, like we're talking about here with this top 10. Again, not taking anything away from Hakeem, but like you said, Oscar Robinson's a very good choice uh, to go into that 10 slot. You could even make a case for, uh, you, you know, they have Kobe Bryant 12th. You could even maybe make a case for that. I like Jerry West or Julius Irving in there uh, as well, yeah. but that's a minor quality. I mean, all those guys that I'm listing, like Oscar, you like you said, was 11th. Uh, Kobe was 12th. Jerry West was 13th. Uh, Julius Irving was 14th. Even a Moses Malone and Carl Malone, those are the next two guys at 15, 16. Those are guys that I could maybe, you know, you could maybe make a case to get into that top 10. But like you're saying, when you're doing that, you're sort of splitting hairs. I mean, that, that whole... I really, for the most part, they're top 20, which I'm sure we're going to go over here in a little bit. I really have no qualms about most of the guys in that top 20. So Yeah, and I mean, you you went through 16. Um, 17 is Dirk Nowitzki, 18 Charles Barkley, 19 John Stockton, 20 David Robinson. Um, I would probably put Robinson a little bit higher because uh, just you know, the advanced stats were, such, were so blow away from him, but his reputation isn't quite that high, and mm-hmm. you, know, you can always kind of parse those a little bit. So, you know, 20 is fine. I, I get that. The thing that did surprise me was Dirk being at 17. That, that seemed higher than I would have expected and kind of higher than we saw him in our project. Um, you know, he was one of the... Um, I, I, you know, the kind of one of the the six automatic um, players that we decided, okay, they definitely belong in, along with um, LeBron, along with Duncan, along with Kobe. Guys, this is post nineteen ninety seven guys, but yeah. I would I would have put him six on that list. I would have put him behind um, Garnett, who's twenty one. Um, I probably would have put him behind Dwayne Wade, who's twenty seven. Um, you know, nothing wrong with him. He's obviously fantastic, but um, you know, I. I, I'm. I just. I, I would have thought him a little bit lower, and, and I. He does seem. You know. He does seem a little high, and obviously, you know, I'm a huge Dirk fan, sure. and, and of course, sure. but you know, putting him. I mean, there's even guys. You go through the rest of the top. Tw- you know, the top 25 or whatever, or the top 30, you see guys even like a Scotty Pippen, who's, you know, 25 yeah. and, and very far behind <laughs> Turk, which is, right. is is pretty like staggering. Like even like an Elgin Baylor uh, is another one there as well. So there's just a few interesting. Yeah, he, he's kind of maybe a little too high for me. But uh, one thing I did kind of notice, and I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts too, or if you noticed that that top 20, I mean, for better, or for worse, a lot of guys from like 1985 to the present. You, you know what I mean? Like you look at the list, you got Jordan, uh, obviously not Kareem, but you have Jordan, uh, LeBron, Magic, uh, you know, Bird, Duncan, Shaquille, uh, you know, to a point you could say Hakeem in there, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Julius Irving, uh, Carl Malone, Dirk Nowitzki, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, David Wright. It just seemed very loaded. And that's not, I'm not saying that's a criticism. I mean, obviously those are all, you know, we talked about a legendary era of NBA history, but you look at that and it's very, you know, yeah. it, it's centered around like about 20, 25 years of NBA history right. versus, yeah. you know, so that was something I sort of noticed with that top 20. It was like, oh my God, there's a lot of like current or semi-current players in that top 20. It really only... Russell, Wilt, West, and Oscar in the top mm-hmm. 20 play, you know, um, didn't play at all before 1980. And then everyone else played e- either their entire or a significant portion of their career, um, you know, um, post-1980. I mean, Kareem, you know, he played for so long, so half his career was after 1980. And yeah, then, he's not fair. And, and then Dr. <laughs> J, like yeah, he'd be the other one. And uh, But other than yeah. that, yeah, I mean, Moses a little bit, but yeah, pretty much everyone else is post-80, mm-hmm. post-80 or post-84. And not necessarily well, yeah, criticism, and, just kind of yeah, I'm sure that's some bias. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a surprising bias. I mean, you, no, you know, no. recency bias is, you know, it's it's not shocking. Obviously, the, you know, 
the there's more fame in that era it's more recent there's more video of it you can the game is more similar to what it is today so it's easier to kind of put some things into context all those reasons so um yeah you know this isn't i'm not really ripping it it just it is um it is interesting so um you know so for the if you consider the top 39 um, everyone on this list was in our top 50, except for Steph Curry, who was uh, 23. Um, I think we can get more to Steph in a little bit, but that, yeah, let's, let's do yeah, that. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, so, um, but that, that, that's, I think that's a fairly good ratio. And then if you look at the top 50, 42 of their top 50 was in our top 50. So, um, you know, the, um, the guys who were not in there, Elvin Hayes, Bill Walton, James Worthy, Dominique Wilkins, Willis Reed, Russell Westbrook, Ray Allen, um, all those guys, except for Westbrook, because he was just more recent, were guys we definitely, you know, considered. Some of them we strongly considered, you know, were kind of our uh, Willis Reed and Ray Allen were kind of our last cuts. Uh, Elvin Hayes was probably my last cut. So, um, so, so you know, certainly guys who I think are absolutely, you know, worthy of um, – uh, of being there and yeah. if you look at the guys who um you know were in this list but not in the top 50 west unsell 53 Pau gasol 56 those are obviously very close to 50 so i yeah i think those are similar decisions being made it's not far off from what we believed and um dennis rodman excuse me dennis rodman at 64 artist gilmore at 70 i think we kind of took a little bit of a leap in putting those guys in the 50. I don't think those guys are necessarily consensus 50, maybe Gilmore at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But he, you know, he wasn't on the original top 50. He's kind of historically always been underrated. So, you know, that one, I don't mind the, the ones that, that do kind of throw me Dolph Shays at 74, Sam Jones at 78, Billy Cunningham at 88 and um, Paul Arizon at 90. Like those seem way too low to me. Yeah, Arizona at ninety, especially. Yeah, it's like, oh boy, I, Shea, Shea's a I mean, that's a, that's a good yeah. I mean, Shea, Shea, Shea's feels like like a top thirty player to me. Um, yeah, that's it. Again, considering what he did during his era, um, his longevity, um, you know, he's one of the probably the three best players of um, you know, playing over his career, three or four best players playing over his career. So, um, I think he definitely um belongs there. It, Sam Jones, it, it's close. It's not not quite as far for him. Um. But but yeah, I mean, I, I you know the, those guys I think would bounce off. Those, those guys definitely benefit or um, are detracted because they played so long ago and they're not like right. the absolute like you know top notch guys that you know the Oscar um, will to the guys who are really you still remember very well. Those guys either you know weren't as that, that high profile or just played too long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't come top to mind. I mean, if you're if you're sort of asking somebody, and again, it's it's somebody who's not maybe doing a ton of, of of look at NBA history or whatever. Maybe they're a current fan and they know a little bit about the history, but those are guys that are just not going to come up or, or come up top of mind to someone who's you know casually in the NBA history or just sort of a even if they're a really passionate fan, they're not ones that really you know before doing this podcast a little bit. You know what I mean? Like before, you know, a few years before we really started getting into this and and I started getting into NBA history. You know, if you told me top 100 players, you know, Paul Ayers and probably might not have been you know what I mean like I don't know if he would have been there but now doing the research going back you know us doing what we did in the summer then you sort of shine a light on guys like Adolph Shays or or, or Paul Ayers and so I get I again not a criticism but yeah just something that was a little interesting of how low they were and and I'm right with you on the Gilmore and Rodman those are guys that I think we sort of um we sort of (laughs) 
I, I don't want to say sort of cheerleaded for a little bit. I, I mean, I'm I'm happy they're on our list, but there are guys that, yeah, absolutely. If you if you told me there's no way Dennis Rodman's a top 50 player, I wouldn't argue with you. I'd go, okay, that's fine. I mean, I think he is. You don't. That's fine. Yeah, that, I, you know, I, that's, it's they're not guys that I'm like, no, you're absolutely wrong if you don't put them in your top 50. I, I get it where they wouldn't be. That's absolutely so, Dolph, eh, not Dolph. I don't know. <laughs> Dolph kind of has to be in Yeah, there, Dolph, but. I think, yeah, he has to be in the top 50. There's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, Sam Jones, um, Billy Cunningham, I think are, are borderline top 50. Um, mm-hmm. I put them in, but well, I actually, we didn't put Cunningham in, but he, but he's close. Um, Sam Jones, I think should be in, um, Arizona definitely think should be in. Yeah. So, um, those are the two, the, the other ones, the, the three players who were on the top 50 greatest of all time list, um, that weren't ranked in the NBA rank, uh, Bill Sharman, uh, Dave Bing, Hal Greer. I, I think Sharman's the biggest oversight on that. I mean, he really did a lot to, um, to, to, to sort of create the modern shooting guard position. He was really, really effective during his time. Uh, you know, important part of those early Celtics championship teams. Um, he, he, he's kind of a surprise that he wasn't in there at all. Um, Greer's an, an, a perpetually underrated guy. Um, but to not make the list was surprising. Bing's a little bit more famous, I think, but not quite as good. I, I think he definitely should be on the list, but I would put him sort of, you know, like in the eighties or nineties. So, so it's not like it's. I think Sharman's definitely the biggest oversight. Um, you know, the other ones are. I get why. Again, I sort of get why they weren't included, but I. They were a little bit head scratching for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially no, since I mean, like yeah, you sure. can look at the top fifty list, and yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, if you're doing your research on top one hundred, I would think you would consult the top fifty list and look into the guys. You know, I'm, I'm sure you know right. um, there are guys who weren't. You know, um, not everyone had heard of. So um, that seems sort of like an easy one, but. Eh. I'm with Dan Sharman as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's, he's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think, you know, for, for my, my biggest issue sort of with this list is it, it's it's pretty unfair to the 50s players. We already talked about um, Shays and, and Arizon and, and a Sharman. Uh, Bob Pettit was 34 and George Mikan was 33. I think those guys definitely, I mean, Mike. <laughs> Bob Pettit's all. I mean, yeah. that's a guy who I think, I, I don't, I'm not even sure I appreciate him quite enough, but when, uh, I think you were tweeting out about this while it was going on, and and I think you, you it was you and Curtis Harris were going on there and going, oh my God, Pettit at thirty four, that's that's you know ridiculous, or I, I forgot the exact wording, maybe not you know that aggressive about it. And I remember even though I did this research, you know, not that long ago, I said, you know, let me go, let me go look at Bob Pettit's like career numbers or whatever. And when you look, it is just it's astounding what that guy did. I mean, of course, the longevity might not be there for for some people, but man, what he did when he was playing. Uh, and, and, and even though the longevity for, for that era wasn't awful, but man, that guy was just a killer. I mean, it's just his page, his basketball reference page is like almost all bold. I mean, that guy just dominated statistically like, like nobody I've seen of that era. I mean, it's just insane what he did. And into the sixties, into the more competitive, um, you know, more integrated era too. Um, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the early fifties. Um, I mean, he, he started his career, I think 50. 253 um so he you know he kind of played into i mean he had a 12 13 year career a you know a strong one he was very high in the leaderboards when he retired he was all time leading scorer you know um you know I, I did a lot to um you know really um to set the template for the power four position um yeah. I mean, he averaged 26 and 16. Like, yeah. And, and, you know what I mean? Like, there we go. Yeah. Like, that, I'm, I'm, that's it. Like, first time, led his team to a championship and I think four finals appearances. Uh, you know, yeah. And Mike, and, I mean, you know, he won like seven championships in eight years, was the, the dominant player of his decade. Like, it's fine. You know, I, I know in a few years later, he was not going to be, the, the, the league changed and, you know, he, he wouldn't make it 
probably in the 60s game, definitely not in the modern game. But that's not what we're arguing. You know, we're arguing, um, you know, as, as we've talked about in our criteria before, you know, you have to consider them within the context of, of your era. And, you know, I can see the argument certainly that, well, the 50s era wasn't as strong as the as later eras. And you, you, you have to kind of consider um, you know, the strength of an era when you consider, you know, how good the players were. I mean, if, you know, if it's a lesser era, then you have to kind of count that a little bit less. If it's a stronger era, you have to count that a little more. But then again, it's also hard to judge, I, I think, what um, eras are best and what eras are, aren't the best because there's so many factors that you kind of have to um, consider. And, and obviously, problems with evaluating 50s and 60s players, a lack of, uh, Lack of video footage, uh, lack of, you know, info beyond the basic stats, um, different style of play, obviously racism's effect on the game. Um, in the early 50s, uh, black players are, are barred from the game and then uh, basically a quota system up until the mid to late 60s. So mm -hmm. um, so obviously, you know, those are important factors. And, and, and you know, we, we've um, and, and, you know, that that's brought, certainly been you brought to my attention is sort of like some people who don't, you know, just kind of can't take that era serious or just can't value that era in the same way because of that issue. And and, and I get that, but I don't, you know, I, I do think the dominant players of that era still, you know, made their mark more sure. important. And, you know, you, you have to also factor that it was, you know, a, uh, a league with only eight teams and only 80 players in the league. And, you know, that that's a pretty competitive um, league right there so you know it, it's you know we have 450 players now i mean so um, yeah right i mean obviously, well and like we, we have a lot more people uh, who are sorry, basketball but but still i mean there's there's so many things to kind of consider in there no and like i said um and we talked about it during our top 50 i mean these guys can't control what era they play i mean bob pettit could only be good in the era he was in you know what i mean like he couldn't it it, it it's not his fault that these sort of factors came into it. He he could only live in the era he lived in and play in the era he played in. So I always judge it by okay, look at look at what they did in their in the time when they played, and not really worry of what what kind of basketball it was and what sort. I mean, yeah, there's of course some weird oddities here and there and stuff like that. But to to sort of undermine these guys because of those sort of things and because of uh, of uh, of racism and because of the lowest teams and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, those are all factors. And if I was having a discussion with you and saying, hey, what's the best era of basketball ever? Who, who's the you know, yeah, but when you're ranking these sort of guys and talking about this sort of stuff, yeah, you kind of have to I, I think you have to think of guys in their era. And Bob Pettit's a guy who just completely dominated his era, and it's not his fault that there were X amount of teams, that there were a ratio or a quota of of you know African American players. I mean, that that's that's not his fault yeah. necessarily. So I, I'm not gonna judge, I'm not gonna say, well, Bob Pettit is not uh, you know a top 15 player of all time because he only had eight teams when he played. It's, it's like, you know, that's just silly. Yeah. Like why? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, you can think about all these things. I, I think weighing these factors are fine, but I, I think just, um, I, I think these guys are more penalized because it was so long ago, as opposed to really taking a deep look into some of those things. I, I obviously could be wrong. I don't, I don't know. You know, there was some writing about, um, you know, where a guy stood, but it was, it's not, you know, obviously it's just a collection of, um, of voters and not everyone revealed their reasons and how good a job they did researching and, and so forth. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I would say, um, uh, Rick Barry, um, Walt Frazier were 37, 38. Um, some of the sixties and seventies players, I think got a little bit uh, undervalued, but I don't think that was quite as dramatic of an effect. I mean, I, I think, of Barry and Frazier maybe in the top 25, but you know, so they're not necessarily that far off. Um, not, not as far off as Pettit and especially Mike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 
So talking about the, uh, the, the rankings of the current players who are not in our top 50. And, you know, initially, because um, initially this came out as like positional ranks. And the, the, the big thing that got everyone's attention at first is that Steph Curry was rated the fourth best point guard of all time. Which it obviously seems um, uh, very premature. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, he is uh, he is having an incredible yeah, warning. We like Steph Curry. He, he, is, <laughs> warning, he is having warning. an incredible, great, you know, tremendous um, historic season right now. Um, he's fifty games into uh, that that season, and um, it, you know, will we'll likely finish it at one of the great, uh, if not the greatest, at least offensive production season um of all time so that certainly matters he's also on one of the greatest teams of all time that certainly matters and and is the most important reason i think for that for them being that so um you know all all those things matter um i i certainly think um you know we 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 kind of made our cutoff i think durant was the most recent player that we kind of made for our cutoff on how uh, you know what's what's the latest a player can start their career to kind of achieve our list sure um but you know looking at curry's resume uh, you know i i don't you know i i don't think that um like i i think i i now think top 50 is a he has a reasonable case for top 50 um top 25 it's a still a little bit that's that's yeah high. i mean that's 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 and i and i love stuff curry i think it, but you have to sort of, and this, this is the fact that we brought up with our top 50, is if tomorrow Steph Curry just says, you know what, I retire, I'm done. You know, this is stupid, I don't care, I'm done. You know, if you look at that rating, then take, you know, wait another 10 years. So he retires tomorrow, then you wait 10 years, and you go back and look, and you go, Steph Curry, 23 all time, I don't know about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're sort of assuming, and rightfully so. I mean, yeah, the guy is probably, barring a horrible, horrific injury or something awful, is going to get to that point most likely. He's going to be a top 50 player, like you said. He's probably already at that point now. And for all intents and purposes, we'll probably make it to the top 25 but it's just right now this year not it just seems a little too early for that especially when and we're going to talk about it in a little bit he's got peers that are you know comparable if you really strip away some of the the number or strip away some of the sort of uh, biases you might have about that player in particular or what the success of that guy if you just look at pure numbers and statistics wise there are some guys like a russell westbrook we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit and even in james harden who have a case you know just as good as steph curry and that's not to say that steph curry is not going to be better than them all time but right now at this moment moment as we're ranking uh, you know ranking this those guys are you know almost you know like Russell Westbrook is 49th and and Steph Curry's 23rd it's just it, it seems like a very odd sort of gap between those two whereas I, I'd be fine if, if Steph Curry was 45th or whatever I'd say okay that's fine that's good that's good with me 23rd just seems a little high yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that that just I don't know it, it's it's a little bit much especially when you got you know there's some pretty good guys that are sort of behind him. Like, like I feel like Scottie Pippen should probably be, you know, a little higher than, than Steph Curry at this point, right. but you and, know, and, and, <laughs> right. or George and, Mikan sure, <laughs> or, or Bob Bennett, but you know, sure. Um, yeah. And I think that, um, I, you know, you can argue, okay, well, Steph, well, um, Scottie Pippen never had a peak season that, um, Steph Curry has. And I, and I guess, you know, it depends on what you're weighing too. I mean, if you weigh peak higher than I think that we did, if you're, if you're, if that's really like your biggest factor in longevity, isn't quite as important then. Okay. Sure. Then I guess, you know, I'll, I'll throw that at you, but I, I do think, you know, it's gotta be a blend of peak and longevity. Um, but yeah, looking at Curry's case, um, one all a 2015 MVP, um, one of only a handful of players to win an MVP and title in the uh, same season. 
Uh, one all NBA first team, one second team. He'll get another first team, of course, this year for, uh, for certain, um, three seasons, top 10, um, in Winchester 48, four seasons, box score plus minus that includes this season by the way, which is not finished, but presumably he will remain in. in those I think he's going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is uh 33rd all time in MVP award shares. Um, obviously he has, you know, he's, he's going to probably win another MVP this year. So that, that will, that will certainly raise up. I mean, two MVPs in a row, then, you know, that you're starting to get into territory where I'm feeling comfortable, you know, putting you in your, you know, in the top 30, top 40. I mean, you know, you, you achieving that, achieving two titles in a row, um, you know, once he does that, then I think, you know, we start to have another case, case of bumping. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You two know. MVPs and two titles in back to back. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That's, and, that's, and he, you know, he, and that's he's obviously on track for that, that it's a <laughs> right. strong possibility that that could happen. Um, you know, and if he, if they continue, you know, having their great success, if he has another two or three, just awesome years and, um, and, you know, and, and so forth, then yeah. Okay. Then, then we're starting to feel like, okay, top 25, top 20, you know, maybe, maybe even higher depending on, you know, how great those achievements are, but, um, obviously still a, a, a ways to go, um, as far as that goes. Um, it's a, all time ranks are 25th in winches for 48, 11th in box score plus minus, which, uh, again, only goes back to 74. Um, he's third and three, three for the, the Third in free throw percentage, uh, second in three point percentage, uh, twenty sixth all time in, in three pointers, and uh, that's going to be getting higher pretty soon. And uh, ninth in true shooting percentage. Uh, so we, uh, obviously those accomplishments in um, yeah. three pointers are quite impressive. He will uh, rise up the leaderboard, would be and will be you know first in uh, three pointers probably in really just a handful of seasons. I think I, I, I think he's that far. Yeah, it won't take him long. Yeah, yeah it really will not take him yeah. that long. Shockingly, I mean. It, it seems surprising, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the leaderboards and just how how he's just decimating those leaderboards. I mean, those the the yearly like output that he's doing is is just ungodly by yeah. you know previous. I, I standards. think Ray Allen is just a a, a couple short of two thousand, and Steph is at fourteen thirty six. So. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, it's pretty obnoxious how how quickly he's yeah. probably going to be. And, and, and so Steph's that... had um you know two historic seasons and then two very good seasons. I would say, or mm-hmm. yeah, maybe excellent seasons. Um, so you know, um, you know, if you kind of compare that to somebody like I don't know, like um, um. Earl Monroe, you know, I mean, that's kind of like at the level that he would have. And then he had sort of had the rest of his career where he was, you know, pretty good or okay, depending on, you know, he kind of was up and down. But I, I you know, I, I think you're, you're if, if if he retired right now, you're kind of at that point without, with obviously not as great of a peak. But mm-hmm. that, that's Absolutely. sort of where, you know, where you would kind of think of him if he had played, you know, uh, 30 years ago. So um, also, um one thing we didn't uh, we, we should have talked about um, is that there were only three players on the uh, top 50 that were uh, that we didn't actually um, or that we did talk about that were not on the uh, top 50 list, which was uh, Kevin Johnson, uh, Dan Issel and uh, Sean Marion. I, I do think they would have been uh, top 100, especially uh, Issel and uh, and Johnson. But um, yeah, I guess a little surprised that uh, Johnson isn't on there. I wonder if his. Uh, recent uh scandal <laughs> I revelations had i i'd, I'd imagine that, that plays a small part in it it's very hard not to sort of and i think we even wrestled with that a little bit too it's like ah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he, yeah. Uh, if we leave him out i won't be too upset. right yeah <laughs> i i think when we actually when we recorded the uh show like the the latest uh in that had not uh, dropped yet so uh and then the show came out after it did and we didn't mention it. i was like yeah well you know probably <laughs> for the best so um 
Yeah, and he pl- he played more um, career minutes than Bill Walton, who um, we didn't have on our top fifty, but but made this ESPN rank. So, and I think there's some interesting kind of parallels there as far as you know, um, early career, a little bit beset with injuries. Although Curry, for the most part, has been healthy, um, more healthy. Yeah, that's such a far. Yeah, it's so far gone now. It seems at this point. I yeah, mean, it's, it's crazy because if you remember the narrative, I mean, it was just this guy. I mean, this guy's ankles. He, it's going to rob us of like a very good shooter of all time. You know, there was like legit claim yeah. or, or legit thoughts that man, this guy is just never going to be right, and that sucks because he's such a good shooter, and and that's so far in the distance now. Yeah, I mean, he's played um, really only one season. He he played twenty six games one year. Every year other than that, he's played seventy four more games so it hasn't been an issue hopefully it will not, not be an issue for the rest of his career but um you know walton um kind of you know he, he battled injuries but then you know had just like a two-year season amazing peak nowhere near statistically um what steph is doing but um uh, but he had that sort of same sort of like um you know, people kind of remember him in that magical way he has he has that peak you know, kind of that mystique that um uh, you know, st- uh, different level than what Steph is doing because, you know, obviously uh, a lot more fame in this era. But um, I, I, the, the kind of the way that he got people excited about um, how he played, I feel like there's some similarities there. Absolutely. Um, so um, so next is uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, so talk a little bit about uh, how kind of how Westbrook compares to Curry because it's actually – well, honestly, closer than you think, but maybe Westbrook statistically yeah. has a better case than Curry does. And uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think Westbrook's got one more year or one extra year on Curry, right? Uh, or is it? I forgot who's got one. Someone's got uh, one year higher. It, so it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Westbrook has one more season. Okay, okay, so that that's it. Okay, I just want to make sure I was correct there. But uh, so I did what I did a little bit of a comparison of like guards of this sort of era. So I basically did from from Russell Westbrook's rookie year to to his current year, and that of course will include Steph Curry. You know, minus one year uh, there and there. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, Steph Curry, uh, he's third in points per thirty six. Russell Westbrook second in points per thirty six. Uh, Russell Westbrook's 13 and assists per 36, which I was kind of shocked that he was that high. Uh, Steph Curry's 21st, but of course, knowing sort of the Steph Curry thing, but still, it's it's, it's very interesting. Uh, Steph Curry's 35th in rebounds per 36. Russell Westbrook is 5th in rebounds third per, uh, per 36. So you look at Russell right there. I mean, you look at a guy who's 2nd in points, 13th in assists, and 5th in rebounds. I mean, that perfectly describes, you know, the yeah. sort of the Russell Westbrook experience there. Um, here's where we get a little bit of a gap. <laughs> Steph Curry is first in effective field goal percentage. Uh, it'll be a shock to you, but Russell Westbrook is not in the top five, uh, or the top 50 or the top 100. Uh, he's actually 131st in effective field goal percentage, but that's Russell Westbrook. So, uh, that, that's, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, then you look at some other stuff. Steph Curry is a uh, third win shares per 48. Uh, Russell Westbrook is, um, that, that, that I lost my eighth in win shares per th- uh, 30, uh, per 48. Uh, Russell Westbrook's fifth in win shares, uh, Steph Curry's third in win shares, and Russell Westbrook's third in value replacement player, and Steph Curry's, because I also kind of looked at him um, in only his career, he's third in value replacement player, but it's like a very minor difference between those two, and it, of course, is, I, I was doing a lot of this as the season was going on, so they were sort of, uh, they were close enough where it was it was switching at different times, so they're very close in value replacement player, uh, very close, you know, in win shares, and, and, and even win shares per 48, so I just thought it was interesting of that, we look at a guy, you know, Steph Curry is, a, is a, you know, 23rd, and Russell Westbrook, who, you know, on pure like sort of counting stats of the points, rebounds, and assists is right there. Of course, Steph has a little bit more in terms of efficiency, which helps him out a lot in, you know, the win shares and, um, you know, value replacement player and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it's an interesting case for a guy that's, you know, 49th on this list. And I don't think anybody really bats an eye at the fact that he's 49th. But 
he's got a decent case. And that's why I was saying, you know, I'd be cool if, if a Steph Curry was like a 45th or whatever and sure. Russell Westbrook was 49. Like, that seems a little bit more. But to have this large of a gap between the two when really, you know, statistically there's not that big of a gap there. But, you know, it's sort of a, you're extrapolating a lot of what Steph's going to do this year. But, you know, let's, I, you know, Russell Westbrook's still got a lot of career left. Yeah, he, and and, and you can be a... honest that he's just kind of finding himself in a lot of ways. I mean, he's having one of his best years. Last year was, of course, because he was just literally given the ball every single time and said, okay, we have we have nothing else. Do whatever you'd want or whatever. But we're starting to see a sort of a maturing uh, Russell Westbrook, a guy that you could extrapolate as well and say, you know, over the next five years, if that guy stays healthy and doesn't, you know, kill himself by just diving and dunking with reckless abandon or whatever, he's a guy that could become a real, I mean, especially so if him and Durant break up at any point, if Durant goes somewhere, or Westbrook goes anywhere. This is a guy who just can explode statistically and explode, you know, in many different ways. So I, I just found it kind of interesting that he was 49th and, and Curry was 23rd because it's, it's the gap I think is a lot closer than that. Yeah. And, and uh, Westbrook is a few months younger as well. So, um, exactly. so they're yeah. the same age, have this, you know, that, that, that breakup thing as well. Yeah. They, they both have, um, three seasons, top 10 winters for 48 and four seasons, top 10 blocks, score plus minus. So, um, kind of right there all times. Yeah. And all time Westbrook is 10th all time in assist percentage, which is just shocking considering he's, you know, his reputation as a ball hog. That seems pretty silly. Um, Seventh in usage rate. Um, okay, that might be more <laughs> in line. <with> that. <laughs> that sounds. But funny. but you get what you know what I'm saying. Um, and, and yeah, seventy seventh in winches for forty eight. Not not very good, but not quite as impressive. And twenty first in box for plus minus. So, um, but yeah, as far as like kind of those career accomplishments, he's he's right there. Four time on the All NBA uh, second team. Um, probably a good chance he'll be in the first team this year. I would I would guess. Um. And then, you know, as, as far as the other ones go, like, I don't have necessarily strong feelings about any of them being on um, this this list. Well, I, I guess there's one, actually, that that um, looking at his uh, looking at his production versus his reputation, I think, is um, is pretty interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Harden, who I, I think you is very comparable to Westbrook and People just had a heart attack. Curry. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, he had Harden has uh, four seasons top ten winches for forty eight, so um, so more than Westbrook and Curry. Uh, five seasons box score plus minus uh, in the top ten, uh, also more than Westbrook or Curry. Um, very similar uh, ranking in uh, MVP award shares, forty uh, first all time versus thirty third all time for Curry. Um, so, and you you kind of compare them by era, they're pretty similar as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you have, um, you know, I mentioned the aforementioned numbers about Curry and Westbrook. Uh, Harden, who, you know, of course, relatively similar area here, uh, you know, fifth in points per 36, uh, 37th in rebounds per 36, 77th in assists per 36. Uh, He really gets uh, a lot of in the value stats, uh, believe it or not, uh, second in win shares, uh, second in win shares per 48, and then fourth in value over replacement players. So you look again, you know, if if, if counting stats are sort of your, your your deal, I mean, he's right there with those. But then the other ones, I mean, the value stats, the win shares, and the value over replacement player, I mean, he's right there with those guys. I mean, they are in that sort of top five of, of this era of guards. Uh, right there, so it, it, it's it's pretty startling that he was you know 98. And again, you could if you strip away everything, and if I just gave you those sort of ranks and said, hey, you know, tell me who these three guys are, I you know it, it's it'd be shocking to you if I, I think if it was you know James Harden and Steph Curry are, are kind of neck and neck in those things, and that's uh, that even surprised me a little bit. Yeah, and he is uh, 18th all time in winters for 48, 17th all time in box score plus minus. Um, so that puts him uh, ahead of Curry in one and right behind him in the other. So, um, yeah, I, 
you know, I think people obviously think Harden is great. He was runner-up for MVP last year. Uh, um, you know, the, the just the I think the defense and the malaise of his team this year have knocked him down a peg. But I, I would say if you're comparing the three of them, I think they are fairly similar. And um, and Harden is 98, so I I, I find that interesting. And, and you know, hey, there may be you know, again, there's a lot of things that you're measuring here. Stats are not are clearly not everything. Um, but I, you know, I I, I kind of it is sort of a little bit puzzling. It's like, oh, why is Harden so much um, lower than the than, than the rest of these guys? Yeah, what's what's surprising as well, and I think that's why I was shocked by it too, is that you have to really look in, and you know, doing this, I did a little bit of research on Harden's career, and of course, we all know that he started in OKC and that sort of stuff. But you really look at it. I mean, like he was do, his output was was great. I mean, his per minute output was fantastic in Oklahoma City, but he just wasn't getting the minutes or the ball that much, and it's kind of shocking and surprising that a lot of this stuff of these gaudy gaudy numbers have come in the last you know few years as he's moved and transitioned to Houston. So it's it's kind of shocking too that we look at this guy, you know, a guy like a Curry who, you know, maybe had one year where he kind of had to learn the ropes and Westbrook, you know, maybe one as well. You know, you could argue that James Harden, it took, you know, two, three years for him to really find his his footing and then explode, of course, when he went to Houston. But yeah, I mean, that, it, it's kind of, it's shocking how well he's done despite the fact that he was sort of, uh, uh, sort of the, the, the third fiddle on that team for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other guys on this list, um, Blake Griffin, 75th, Chris Bosh, 86th, Mark Gasol, 95th, and Kevin Love, 99. Um, I, I, Blake's actually resume was stronger than I, I kind of realized. He's another guy whose reputation has kind of taken a hit lately because of um, uh, off-court antics. But um, he does have uh, he does have four All-NBA team appearances, including three on the second team, one on the third team. Um, he has two seasons in the top 10 in Winters for 48, one time in Boxer Plus Minus. Um, it doesn't really, hasn't really played long enough to really achieve any all time, um, ranks. Um, he's definitely a fun guy to watch, but he's actually probably accumulated more, especially in those all NBA teams than I kind of had realized he had. Yeah, I was I was kind of shocked as well. He he was another one that um yeah, you just don't think and that could be a reputation thing as well. It could be just sort of how we perceive these guys, but uh and he's a guy that I even even as the season's going on and even when I look at his stats, I'm always kind of shocked. Oh my, yeah, Blake Griffin's actually having like a very good year. I just we just don't appreciate yeah. the guy. I don't know. It, it's very odd. It's very strange, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, people kind of realize he's good, but you kind of like how Not on that good level. Yeah. Like the, he's a good little asset to a team that he's like, "Ah, yeah, you know, he's he's a very good player, but he'd be great if he had, you know, it's just I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I just don't know if we fully appreciate uh, quite how good he really is. Yeah, it is. It it's definitely like he's accomplished more than I, I think people um, would would realize. Um, oh, absolutely. And and a guy who has less of these achievements than I would have thought. He was kind of a original guy we were looking at for our top fifty, but just didn't really have. Um, I just his rankings just kind of statistically his profile was just um, not strong enough for us to consider it, despite, you know, we both, I, I think, respect him as a as a player and, and think of him as as close to that level as Chris Bosh. Um, yeah. Only one all NBA team for his career is a second team. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so surprised that in those I mean, especially those to- lean Toronto years yeah. when it was just him. Like it was, you know, it was like here. Here's the ball, Chris Bosh. Do you have it every you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm shocked uh, and have. Right. Out of your numbers are, I feel like I living in that area, you know, living and watching at that time, I felt like he was a guy that was like a, a an all star, like a top tier sort of player, just because he was he put up such gaudy numbers. But I, I guess not. Yeah, and, <laughs> like I, and those teams, you know, they had some up and down years, but they were pretty good. And you know, he's like a twelve time all star, so um, he's gotten the 
the um you know the the, the things that way but um yeah he um and actually statistically uh, no top 10 seasons in winters for 48 none also in box score plus minus he does have two top 10 seasons in per if you want to look at that but um you know the the, the all-time ranks are um he's at 71st in winters for 48 which is pretty good box score plus minus doesn't really like him uh despite his reputation for being a great defender uh 169th so um he's definitely a guy who i think um the the stats don't necessarily show his value, particularly when he you know played Miami. Um, I, I think the you know I I think he's greater than that shows, but um, surprisingly ranks surprisingly low in a lot of these categories. Yeah, I mean when you talk about we, we, a guy we talked about uh, James Harden earlier, I mean Chris Bosh is 86 on this list, James Harden's 98, and James Harden just absolutely blows him away, yeah. you know statistically. And, so, and I'm not saying that uh, I would necessarily pick James Harden over Chris Bosh, but I just you, no no no, but the resume but... it definitely is more impressive for Harden. Right. And, and, and a lot of that, as you mentioned, the Miami years as well sort of maybe hurt Bosch a little bit in terms of he very quickly sort of put himself, for the betterment of the team, put himself in a very you know strict role, which didn't really, it didn't really help him continue the gaudy numbers that he had for so many years. He sort of said, okay, you know what, hey, I'll just kind of sit in the corner, I'll do this, I'll play great defense and, and do this sort of stuff. And he was, you know, instrumental to the, the, the defensive of that Miami team and just a really good defender, maybe an underrated defender. So some of these stats don't really show that out as well of, of the spacing stuff that he was able to do and, and cutting off lanes and doing that sort of stuff he was able to do in Miami. But still, when you sort of look at these sort of resumes, the way we're doing it, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't jump off the, at the page for you at all. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I'm not sure for Marcus all or Kevin love, you know, if there's anything specific, I, I view them as sort of borderline guys for um, this list. I mean, Gasol had one defensive player of the year um, award twice on the All-NBA team, one All-NBA first team, um, only one season in the top 10 in winters for 48, one season in the top 10 in box score plus minus. Um, you know, all-time ranks are are good, but nothing spectacular. 84th in winters for 48, uh, 38th in box score plus minus, so that's stronger. But, um, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a very good player, but um, probably developed a little bit too late into a really valuable player. And then it's kind of gotten to the point where he's gotten older and is still good, but not quite as good. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. And then love um, production is a little bit um, stronger than I expected. He had three seasons in the top 10 in winters for 48, two in box score plus minus um, has sort of suffered in his production since he moved on to Cleveland. Um, I think it'll get kind of be like a wait and see thing for depending on how much they accomplish and how, you know, productive he can kind of be in that framework because um, he's not unlike Bosch, he's not really adding a lot of value in the intangibles for the most part. I mean, I guess maybe somewhat in, you know, offensive spacing and things like that, but um, he's taking probably taking a lot away in defense. So it, it would be hard to, to rate him, you know, kind of, kind of based on that. He give him pass kind of based on that. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, but yeah, he was. He kind of. Yeah, he jumped off the page a little bit statistically, but but I get sort of 99th. I think that's that's probably that's, fine that's with reasonable. him. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's okay. I mean, I could probably make an argument for a few guys to to sort of take him off and and put on. But yeah, he that's it's hard to get really upset about you know the 99th guy in the top 100. List, exactly, so. exactly. So, um, so a couple of things that we um wanted to add before we uh, take off are um so so there is a new um the uh an island calculus um the new um 
a new metric called HBOX has um has has been about Justin Willard has uh mm-hmm. been created that um you know that uh we were kind of looking at and the idea is that it um is basically a way of looking at a new way of looking at historical players um you know uh, sort of a new metric uh created for that and that's obviously um uh, is exciting for us because we are um you know evaluating old players and so sometimes the regular box score numbers or the even the advanced stats have a hard time capturing everything so this is sort of an mm-hmm. attempt at a um you know a one number metric to look at um uh, a lot of different things so what um you, you what, what about it seems interesting to you and 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 you know, looking at some of the searches uh what do you think yeah is most interesting uh one of the things that i really liked about it um and again I, go to nylonkalculus.com to get a little bit more information we'll, we'll about link, it like we're yeah, we'll link we're, to it. we're big dummies yeah. so we probably can't explain it as well as as he explains it because yeah. we're still trying to figure it out as well i'm not gonna act like i'm an expert or i know about it i mean of course and they're very easy to reach as well so i'm sure if you have a question about hey i don't quite understand this about the stat uh, you know go there and ask them. i'm sure they'll be you know more than willing to help but yeah like you said it's it's another box score stat but it takes a little few, a few other things into account uh you know different stuff like uh per possession stuff uh reba you know a little bit more that we we now have a little bit more information and can kind of dig into the box score stats a little bit more and look at some other stuff so uh it helps in that way it's kind of cool in that respect but what i really loved about it was um that it broke down guys by season as well initially i kind of got mad about that i was like oh man i wanted to see like who's like the all-time ranks or whatever and then i sort of said that's kind of cool to look at like hey what you know per HBox, what is the best Michael Jordan season? What's the best LeBron James? You know, that was kind of fun as well. And and we, um, we sort of in playing around with it, uh, looked at guys that had, you know, above six in HBox and the, the, the stat, you know, it's sort of, it's lower sort of numbers as well. So six is like tremendous. Six is like all time, you know, anything above that is like, you're tremendously great. You're awesome. You're, you know, you're all time good or whatever. So we wanted and, to sort and, of look and, uh, at just, sorry to interrupt, but the, the highest oh, yeah. possible or the highest ever is 9.47. Right. So that gives you a little area yeah. of, or, or an idea that's, you know, six to, yeah, to, to the nine is, is you yeah. Know, and there are, um, I don't know, close to 40 seasons that go above six. Is that right? Something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, somewhere around that range, I think is is yeah, I think that's around the number that I got. But yeah, it was kind of interesting to uh, to see sort of the breakdown of these guys who had over six, and it can kind of give you an idea of maybe you know maybe what the, who what the stat favors, what sort of things it favors, because that's always something I enjoy about you know basketball metrics. I never you're not supposed to say ever oh uh, PR that's the only stat I'm ever going to use forever. It's like you, no, don't do that. They're, they're, you don't ever. That's just it, you. Don't stop doing that. Stop being that guy. But uh, yeah, instead, you sort of look at the different ones, look at different numbers, and then you can sort of, I think, contextualize of, okay, this stat maybe favors this. Like we talked about the win shares per 48 or whatever, different things like that, that maybe, you know, the guys with a little bit of a higher efficiency, uh, they'll do a little bit better in that. Whereas the guys with gaudy, you know, counting stats don't do as well in win shares or, or, or valve or replacement player. This stat, they do better in that. Or, you know, NPR has its weird stuff. They, they all have their sort of things that they favor a little bit because it's going to happen with, with, you know, metrics where you're trying to put everything into one uh so this is kind of interesting to see the breakdown of guys that had above six to sort of see what the stat favors and and i guess we'll we'll sort of work through it you know as we we talk about it but so here are all the guys that had you know seasons above i'm just going to list how many seasons they had above six i'm not going to list we should uh we should also mention that this dates back to 1978 Exactly. Yeah. So, so like many of these ones, unfortunately, yeah, it, it very much is like, I, I, sorry, can't help you in, in the 1960s because the stats are, are terrible. Any stat 
keeping or record keeping was horrendous. So uh, there's only so much well, you can they, do with well, that. They didn't but... keep track of, you know, they didn't have steals, blocks, and re- I mean, they exactly. didn't have so... stats. I mean, they're like, they're, not like they were bad at keeping the stats. <laughs> they just didn't have what they have to, you know, later right. on. So, uh, but yeah, some uh, some some kind of guys here with uh, above six HBox uh, seasons. Bill Walton had one. Uh, Charles Barkley had one. Uh, Chris Paul won. David Robinson five actually. Yeah, uh, I was, thought it was pretty surprising. 91, 92, 94, 95, 96. So we've we've talked about it a lot. We're we're like the uh, the pro David Robinson early nineties yes. podcast here. We're like, come on, respect this man. Yeah. Like he was really good. But uh, so it was kind of cool to see him have five there. Uh, Dwayne Wade with one. Grant Hill with one. Hakeem Olajuwon one. James Harden one uh, last year. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar two. Carl Malone two. Uh, Kevin Durant two. Uh, Kevin Garnett three. Kevin Love one. Uh, 2014 was for Kevin Love. Uh, Larry Bird I was shocked. It's only two, 87, 88. Yeah, it's late, so late in his career, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was the same with uh, LeBron James. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, same with Malone, where it's 97, 98. I mean, he's like 15, 16 years in his career. At the, yeah, or, Malone was a killer. Or, in yeah, 30 years. I mean, <laughs> I, I know he was great in his older years, but it surprises me that he was, you know, at least according to this, better in those years than he was, you know, like in, you know, 1990, 90, 91. Absolutely. Uh, LeBron James has seven. Of these, which is just insane. Uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. So LeBron, good. Uh, Magic Johnson, four. Um, 87, 89, 90, and 91. Yeah, again, late in his career, too. Yeah, were you surprised by that? I thought that was kind of uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. It does, none of the mid-80s yeah, really I, got I, it, I except for 87. If there's something so. about how a player ages that, um, you know, if, if this picks up at all, like the fact that you just kind of get to be a smarter player as you're older and that, you know, you're – um, you know, maybe you're not as productive in some ways, but you're able to, you know, I'm not sure exactly how much it's able to kind of keep, to take into account something like that, but that would be, you know, what I would think as far as the reason why you would, they would be able to achieve this despite, you know, being past their athletic peak. Yeah, excellent. Um, Michael Jordan had five. So, uh-oh, LeBron has more than him, yeah. so get all mad. Uh, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92. Now, what's interesting is the inverse with Michael Jordan, where we talked about all of these other guys yeah. and their later careers that was when they really, like a Carl Malone, of course. And Michael Jordan, no, it's the early sort of his physical prime was when he really excelled in this stat. So that was that was fun. Yeah, was I, I wonder, you know, thinking about it for, for Magic and Bird, I wonder if, because um, Magic had to kind of take a larger role in from 87 through... 91, you know, with Kareem retiring and, um, you know, kind of necessitating it being becoming his team. Plus, he wasn't that old. You know, he had, of course, had to retire young. He was 31, 32. I mean, so he wasn't um, uh, quite ancient. Um, Bird, to maybe, maybe to a similar extent, because, the, you know, even though he had McHale and Parrish, they definitely were a less deep team. So maybe, you know, he maybe the, the fact that they kind of had to take like a bigger role during these times might have. It played a part in this. You know, it's just kind of speculation, mm-hmm. but it, it does make some sense. Certainly. Uh, Russell Westbrook has two, uh, 2005 and 2016. So, of course, this year he, he's in there uh, as well. That could be subject to change. But yeah. uh, Shaquille O'Neal, 2000 and 2001. I thought that was kind of interesting that none of the uh, none of the early Shaq years were there. But he really became, I mean, I would say that his real, like, kind of statistics, I mean, his prime was was those years. I'm fine with saying that. I mean, he was a he was a more dominant physical force probably in like the the mid 90s, but this is like especially in that era. I mean, there was just no answer for Shaq in the 2000s. And he had a couple of you know, he, he had a couple of uh, of mildly down years from like 97, 99 before he, you know, came came back with a vengeance. So, mm-hmm. that may, you know, that's kind of part of it too, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, Steph Curry has two, 2015-2016. I imagine he will probably stay in there. Uh, and then last but not least, I was kind of shocked by this. Tim Duncan only won 2003. 
I mean, I, obviously his best year, but yeah, I was kind of surprised. But that's it. it then again, though, it, it is Tim Duncan, and he's sort of more appreciated by watching him than sort of looking at at his numbers, even though he does have pretty gaudy numbers sometimes. Yeah, but. and he's sort of, and again, in a lot of his career, he's sort of taken the intentional step back. To, exactly. Um, right. So, you know, that, that could definitely be a part of it. Yeah, I, I you know, we'll, we'll play around with it more and, and, you know, and learn more about it and see if there's anything else that we can kind of uh, conclude there. But, um, but it's nice to, um, you know, it's nice to have a tool that, you know, that theoretically could be interesting to us as, um, as basketball historians. Um, and so the one last thing is, um, Kevin Pelton of ESPN, who was of course part of the, um, NBA rank and, and wrote, you know, a, a bit of, uh, about it, um, came coming up with the, uh, a metric of, um, champion championships added and basically, the idea is that it incorporates both um, regular season and postseason success, but it sort of um, gives a little bit of extra value to um, um, postseason success. Um, also incorporates all-star appearances, all NBA appearances, and MVP voting based on how well they translate to winning championships. Um, so it's sort of, and, and with win shares, it's sort of. Um, takes care a little bit of the problem of rewarding longevity over quality of play because it sort of relates the win shares to each season to a, a typical team's chances of winning of championships. So um, he used the example of, for instance, a season with a 15 win shares, which was using the example of Kobe Bryant's 2006 season is nearly three times as valuable as one with 10 win shares, even though it's only five more win shares. It's just is more it's just that much better to have a 15 win share season than it is to have a 10 win share season because you know 15 win share seasons are obviously very rare so yeah. um so the conclusions are not exactly that surprising it's um jordan uh wilt chamberlain lebron james uh kareem uh russell uh duncan Shaq, magic bird and then um car malone and um you know, I, I don't think we have to explain uh, too much with um, with Jordan. Um, what I guess is a little bit surprising because he, um, of course, didn't actually have that much. I mean, he won two championships is not successful, but um, Russell is so much more um, successful, obviously, 11 championships in 13 years. But the, the idea of that um, Wilt just, you know, his play theoretically should have added that much. And, right. Um, you know, he was first in regular season, third in the playoffs. So he, he his production in the playoffs fell off a little bit comparatively. Um, so um, that that, that kind of knocked him down um, a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, other than I would think maybe I would have, you know, I, I would have just thought of Russell as being a little bit higher. But again, Russell's... Um, value i think is difficult to measure because he didn't score a lot Absolutely. but he you know he he and and defense we we know so little about defense now that uh, you know um we have all the tools that we have um learning knowing about it, bill russell's day is um extremely difficult as well especially since um turnovers block shots and steals weren't tracked then so 
Exactly. I mean, that that almost would be the game changer, especially if you sort of added those stats yeah. in there, I think, in a sense. But because a lot of stuff that that Russell excelled at so much. And again, I, I'm not taking, you know, I, I think Will Chamberlain is probably fine being there. But if you wanted to say that, yeah, hey, if we if we stat, if we track some of those and maybe if Bill Russell was a little bit more, you, you know, apt to, to score a little bit more as opposed to just sort of, you know, get the awesome block, throw the ball down. I mean, it, it obviously worked. Uh, yeah. you, you could say <laughs> to an extent for the uh, the old Boston Celtics of, of that era. But yeah, so I, I, I see why, you know, I, I understand. I understand why he's fifth on this list and I understand why but yeah if you were purely just going to say hey who 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 helped their team win more championships you're going to probably say a uh, Bill Russell or whatever but you know statistically you get Will Chamberlain there but I have no issue really with, with any of the guys on this list I think it's a it's a really good uh you know really good list and I, I think the the uh the approach to it is is, is admirable as well and I really do yeah. uh, I, think it's pretty I like good. him talking a lot and um and I appreciate that he you know writes in some about history talks about history when he's on podcasts and stuff and and, and has a good perspective so he's definitely a guy to follow yeah the, the, he ranked 40 um a, a couple surprises to me um I, or not huge surprises but um Dirk was 15th on uh on this list so that kind of as opposed to Garnett at 18 um so he, he was a li- I mean, that may have helped him a little bit in the uh the 17th ranking that we talked about before um Hakeem was 19th so sort of lower than you might again you might mm-hmm. expect just given like you know his famous playoff appearances um artist gilmore was 29th on this list and you don't yeah you, yeah you think um i think his reputation is a little bit more of like a guy who didn't necessarily do that much in playoffs and just kind of accumulated like a lot of you know like a lot of longevity and a lot of regular season stuff but didn't really have playoff success but this you know has him has him pretty high so i i found that interesting other than that it's not you know there aren't a whole lot of huge shocks in the list chauncey Phillips is 38th he's a guy who i've um touted before as being um you know maybe a little more valuable than than stats show so um, well I, I one thing that i thought was interesting sorry not to, to cut uh-huh. it off here but there were a few guys that we talked about um in the earlier list that we were like oh man i can't believe how low they were ranked or how you know they were ranked in general uh, you look at championships added bob pettit 21st uh dolph shays 23rd uh and then a guy like uh paul Arizon, uh 35th yeah. for him so those are guys who ranked yeah. very well in this george, and we've george sort Mikan of said hey would... too so oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I completely missed george Mikan as well yeah that's perfect examples of guys that we think that maybe just got kind of a raw deal in NBA rank, but this sort of stat shows the the value that those guys had and how good they were, especially, you know, a, a Pettit, a Mike in, and, and uh, to a lesser extent, or Shays, and then to a lesser extent, uh, Arizon. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, like the, the approach that, you know, the way that he describes it, obviously we don't have a statistical model um, like he does, but we do have kind of a, like I would say our this, brains are a statistical model. I would, yeah, right, I would say this is sort of <laughs> how I, would kind of look at you know this sort of like the thing that i would look at okay look at these numbers look at these honors see what it says and then do the research deeper in to try to kind of figure it out but but these are sort of the way that i would largely weigh these i mean the one thing that i hadn't really thought about is how much is like the the exponential value of a 15 win share season versus a 10 win share season and and that might be interesting to kind of look into a little bit more and look at like some of the more elite seasons and, and, and how to, um, you know, you know, how much better to weigh them because of just how much better they are than, you, you know, a, a really, really great season, you know, and I guess you could kind of make that case with, with Stephen Curry this year. So, um, but you know, other than that, I, I think, you know, the, these just are mostly common sense things that, you know, that, that, that kind of makes sense. I, I do feel like, um, sometimes I think, longevity gets a little bit of a raw deal um over um 
you know, over the, um, you know, the high points of a career. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that it's a nice blend of, the, of those approaches. Anything else, Rich? I, I think that's it for me. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was I, I thought by and large, I think it was a cool uh, little experiment. And at least it got people interested a little bit more in sort of NBA history. It's not only us and, and a few other guys yeah. that are really interested. In it. And that's not to say, I mean, there are plenty of people that, that are interested in it. But to see it on such of a, uh, a, a bigger scale and to have people arguing about guy like, you know, I, there's spirited Bob Pettit arguments in my Twitter feed. And that doesn't happen very sure. often. So it's I thought nice. that was uh, yeah. that, that was cool to see. I Hopefully, mean, you know, it got some basketball reference, some traffic and got some interest going on in there. It, it, it was fun. So um, I, I figured it was a big enough thing that we should weigh in on it again. We're weighing in a little bit late, but um, hopefully people uh, enjoy our take on it and enjoy uh, the things that we do to uh, talk about basketball history. So absolutely. Um, so anyone can check us out at uh, hardwoodparoxysm.com. We are on Twitter at Over and Back NBA, also on Facebook at Over and Back NBA. Um, and it, we would be so grateful if you would uh, subscribe to us on uh, iTunes or we are now on Stitcher as well. So if you uh, subscribe to us, give us a good old uh, review and a rating on either of those platforms, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. Um, I think that's it. So uh, thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll be back again soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.